good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. I heard you worship from back there. That was so uh, such a blessing for me to hear you guys singing and cheering and clapping for the Lord. My name is Patty. I am the elementary pastor here at Crossroads. Pastor Chuck is in Israel with a team from the church. I can't help but think... What a cool trip that would be to go with Pastor Chuck to Israel. He's so knowledgeable about the area and he loves it so much. I can't imagine the time that they are having there. But it is an honor and a joy for me to be with you tonight. And as I was preparing for tonight, I was reminded of a time when I was about 18 or 19 and I worked at a place called Black Angus. Does anybody know that? Okay, good. There's a few. It's kind of not really around so much anymore, but best cheesy garlic bread and baked potato soup, hands down that you will ever find. I cannot find a better cheesy garlic bread even now. Like, it is so good. And one day when I was working there, um, there was a group of bussers and servers that were my age that were kind of off to the side and I could overhear their conversation and they were talking about church, a church that they liked. And Growing up, I had an experience with church. I mean, before my family, my parents got divorced, I would go to a particular church, kind of here and there, Christmas and Easter type of thing. And then when my parents divorced, I would only go like every other weekend with one parent and it was boring, I never connected. And so when I was able to kind of make that choice, I stopped going altogether. So hearing a group of people that I worked with that were my age talk about church like they liked it, it kind of piqued my curiosity. So it stayed in my mind and one random Sunday, I woke up and I was like, I'm gonna go to that church. Now, this was like years ago. So this was before cell phones and texting, and I still don't even know how I figured out how to get there. I probably map quested it or something. You guys remember printing legitimate maps? And so I hopped in my car and I drove and it felt like forever. Clearly this was before gas was like $687 a gallon. Um, and I ended up in this place called Yorba Linda. And it like felt like a fairyland to me because it looked so different from where I grew up. And I kept driving and I navigated some weird parking and I ended up in front of this building that just, it felt massive. And there was just this sea of people coming in and out, none of which I knew. But the music from inside, it like drew me in. And so I decided, well, I'm here, I might as well keep going. So I start to walk towards the door and all of a sudden I hear, Patty, hi. And I look up and at the door, like handing some people papers at whatever that paper was as they were walking in was my friend's dad, someone that I had known when I was like little. And he recognized me and he ended up taking me and helping me find my seat. And even though I didn't see him very often over the next few years, I actually credit that moment with the beginning of my journey to finding Jesus and to finding my place in the church. Now we are in the series called, You Believe That? And it is based off of an interview that all of us have to take in order to work here called the theology interview. In that interview are questions about who is Jesus? What is the Bible? Who is the Holy Spirit? And the goal of this series is to equip you as believers with the ability to answer any questions that anyone might ask you about what you believe, like you believe that. And so today we are coming to the question of the church. What is the church? 
what is its purpose? And how do we become the church? Now, most of the time, I get to be over in kids' ministry on Wednesdays and Sundays. And on Wednesdays in particular, I have the honor of being able to speak to your fourth and fifth graders. Now, I like to make it an interactive time. A lot of times, I'll throw out a question. I want the kids to shout and answer back. So we're actually going to do that here right now, okay? So when Pastor Noah sent you to greeting, he had you discuss a question. What is the church? And online, if you want to participate in this too, you can just type in the chat, what is the church? So I want to hear some of your answers, like maybe something you said or something you heard. So go ahead and shout it out. What is the church? Family, body of Christ, community. I love it. So good. These are all good answers. Now, in the book of Acts that we find in the New Testament, it's largely known in religious studies to be the place where we discover the birth of the organized church. And I'm kind of a word geek, and I like to find the true meanings of words because I really want to look smart in front of those fourth and fifth graders. I like to figure it out. And so I thought I really wanted to nail down what the meaning of the word church is. Now, the New Testament The books of the Bible where we read about Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and then the church from there forward is written in what language? Greek, yes. Pastor Chuck has said that before. You guys are totally paying attention. It is written in Greek. And there is a Greek word that we see being used quite a number of times in the New Testament. Let's check it out in the book of Acts. Acts 11.26 says... This is in regards to Paul and Barnabas. That's who the both of them are. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And then again, we see a word in the book of Acts, Acts 14. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together, reported everything that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. Now that word church that we see there also is gatherings, and it is the Greek word ecclesia. Now, Strong's definition of ecclesia is a calling out, a popular meaning, especially in religious congregation. And Thayer's Greek lexicon definition of ecclesia is a gathering of citizens who are called out for a specific purpose. So we see that the word ecclesia means a gathering of people who have been called out for a specific purpose. Now, the actual word ecclesia has no religious connection to it at all. It largely means just that, a group of people who have been called out to gather for a specific purpose. But Jesus also uses the word ecclesia when he was talking to Peter in the book of Matthew, and we see this. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All in all, the word ecclesia is used 116 times, both by Jesus and the writers of the New Testament. This word that means a group of people who have been called out to gather for a specific purpose. But what purpose? And how does knowing what ecclesia even means, like how does that apply to us? And then where do we get the word church from ecclesia? Here's the underlying context 
of the word ecclesia as it is used in scripture. It means a group of people who have been called out to gather by God to God. And the English word that we use, church, comes from another Greek word, kyriakos, which means belonging to the Lord. And Paul uses this word connected with ecclesia in an address to the leaders of the church in the book of Acts when he says this to them. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. So here we see a very, very specific meaning of the word ecclesia. It means his church. Right there. I'm not very good at underlining. (laughs) Purchased by his own blood. So essentially, church equals a group of people or an assembly of people who have been called out by God, who belong to God because of what he did on the cross. Or as I like to say it, here's the church, here's the steeple, open up the doors and see all the people. You guys remember that, right? Now, oftentimes we like to think of church as a specific place, a specific building, a place that has a specific name. And we like to go to these places and gather them. We say things like, I'm gonna go to church today, right? Or we're gonna have church today. And we can feel a sense of ownership to those places. We might say something like, I go to this church or he goes to that church or this church is known for this or I love my church. And all of those things are good things. But church is so much more than a building or a place. It is like that rhyme, the people. Now, I'm gonna make you all uncomfortable, especially you introverts today. Uh, Go ahead and turn to your left, if you have someone on your left, and just look at them. You don't have to make it creepy. You know, we'll, we'll do it pretty quick. Like I said, some of you are nervous. All right, now you're gonna turn to the right and you're gonna look at the person on your right if there's someone at your right. Some of y'all may thank me later because you might've just met your future spouse, okay? You can come and thank me later. But church is the people. Whether you know the people you looked at or not, that person, you included, was called here tonight by God for a purpose right? Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, you are here because God called you out to be here. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, I'm going to erase that. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, Pastor Ricky Jenkins, he's the senior pastor at Southwest Church in Indian Wells, Palm Springs. He actually says this about church. It's the people of God on mission from God, for the glory of God, and wherever that happens, that's church. So I thought I would share like how that looks like uh, in my life most recently. A couple Fridays ago, I had an opportunity to um, have some time to myself. That's super rare, I'm a full-time working mom, I rarely get time to myself. So I grabbed my journal and I headed over to the crossings. I like to sit by that water fountain that's in the middle. I love the sound of of running water. Of course, I had, you know, my Starbucks shaken espresso. That doesn't hurt anything. 
So I'm sitting there and I'm journaling and I'm like pouring my heart out to the Lord. And kind of out of the corner of my eye, I just, I see this woman walk by and I like take notice of her. And you know how like you can just get a sense sometimes about people. I just felt like in my spirit, like, um, like she had been sick. And the word that came to my mind was cancer, but I didn't know her. So I was like, okay. Um, and she goes and she sits on the same row of red seats, but like all the way at the very end. So I go back to my journaling and I was there for a long time, you guys. I was there for like 30 minutes, like journaling and writing and pouring out my heart. But I kept looking at her because I was noticing that she wasn't doing anything. She was just sitting. She wasn't drinking a coffee. She wasn't reading. She wasn't on her phone. She was just sitting. And as I was journaling, I just got this sense like the Lord wanted me to pray for her. So I was like, okay, I can do that, all right. So I just prayed for her. I prayed that God would bless her and that God would help her to feel seen. And then I felt like God said, uh, I want you to be the answer to that prayer for her. And I was like, <laughs> right. And then it got worse because then I felt in my spirit like God wanted me to rip out a piece of my journal and give it to her. Because along with writing in my journal, I also draw scripture. I love to draw scripture. It helps me feel connected to the word I posted on the internet. You guys, here's the deal. I am not Pastor Chuck, okay? I do not get a word from the Lord telling me to go buy eggs and stand on a street corner and give it to a lady in purple. Like that kind of stuff does not happen to me. So the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is not, this can't be God. I'm like arguing with God, right? So I'm like, okay, fine. All right, fine. If this is God, so cool, right? And if it's not God, well, then the worst that happens is that I look stupid for Jesus. And the best that happens is that I give her scripture and it's in her hands, right? So I'm like, okay, God, okay, fine, I'll do this. All the while I'm still bargaining because I'm like, okay, God, well, if it's really you, then she'll still be sitting there while I'm slowly looking through my verses to find the right one. And of course I land on one and she's still there. And the one I land on was actually a mix of verses. It said things like, you are more than a conqueror. And if God is for you, who can be against you? I can do all things in Christ. So I'm like, okay, God, if this is you, when I rip it out, it's gonna rip out nice and clean and it's not gonna tear. And of course it does that. So I'm like, all right, Jesus, okay, I'm gonna do this. And so I like gather my stuff and I walk up to her and I just introduced myself to her. And then I told her, I said, you know, I don't know what you believe or if you believe in God, but I was just sitting over there journaling and I just really felt in my heart like God might want you to have this. And I gave it to her. And then it was the moment of truth. And there was like silence. But she was reading it and then she looked at me and she said, I'm gonna cry. And she shared with me that she had gone through cancer, that she had just come out of it, that it was a really rough couple of years for her, that she's going through a lot of things, but that she is a believer, and that all the while she was going through these things, those specific verses were the ones that God had pointed out to her. And her friend had even just given her a journal that said, you are more than a conqueror on it. And that whole time, I have to tell you, I was so much more blessed because then we started sharing with each other. We started sharing Bible verses and scriptures. I ended up praying over here. And you know what? Being stupid for Jesus led me to have Ecclesia right there in the crossings by that fountain. It was so cool, guys. <laughs> so now we come to that question of why the church? Why a gathering of people who are called out by God to God? Well, 
Number one, God desires to have a people belonging to him. We actually see this in the Old Testament. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy where it says, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord our God. Now, this verse was actually originally spoken about the Israelites, a group of people that God had set apart for himself. However, for those of us who believe in Jesus, it also applies to us because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. So we see this in 1 Peter. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's, I'm gonna write, do this, very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Gotta erase that. Now, for those of you who maybe have felt like you don't have a place or you feel alone, this truth says that you have a place in God's family. And he does it through his church. Because you see, God didn't just create the church for himself. He also created it for our benefit. Genesis 2.18 says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, again, this scripture was about woman when God was creating Eve for Adam. It was specifically about that. But if you look at it, it says it is not good for the man to be alone. You see, God created us to do life with each other. He created us for community. So some of you who shouted community, yes, that is church. It is community. In fact, a lot of you are probably familiar with this verse. It's a little long. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And for all you guys in the room, that is the answer to that age-old question you have always wondered, why do women go to bathrooms in groups? <laughs> but, <laughs> really though, uh, number two, God designed for us to be in community. Now, the early church in the book of Acts gives us a really great example of what this could look like. It's kind of a long scripture, so hang in there with me. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them and, uh, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, that was a lot. 
But here we see the beginning of what we know as the church. And this section of scripture is actually commonly referred to as the Acts 2.42 church. Now these people that met together regularly, they actually probably had no commonality. These people who were called out by God and to God. They probably had no connection to each other unless they were family. It was filled with people from different ethnic backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different economic backgrounds. There were young, there were old, there was slave, there was free. There was all kinds of people. Now, in fact, there also was, as we read there, there were no factions, there were no denominations. They met in one place with the idea that it would be open to anyone who wanted to come and hear the word of God being spoken. But they had one common purpose, and that was to know God more, to love Jesus more, and to love each other. Now, think about it for a minute. For those of you who have been a part of Crossroads for any length of time, even online, think about the people you have connected with because of this place. It's kind of like that. Would you know each other? Would you talk after church? Would you chat online in the chat with them? Had you not had this one commonality together here? And see, that is what the church is meant to be. It is meant to be a support system, not to do life alone. Now, personally, me and my family have experienced this support system in so many ways, both small and big. Uh, My daughter, Taya, she plays football. There's a picture of her. Isn't she rad? She's pretty rad. She plays football and her uh, coach, Connor, and his wife, Tracy, are a part of our community here at the church. I can't tell you how many times Connor has taken her home from practice or Tracy, they have fed her dinner and then brought her here back to church because I'm already here. Then my friend Kelly, whose son also plays on her team, who is also a part of my community here at the church, has done that as well. She has taken her home, fed her dinner, and brought her back to church. Now, uh, the Saturday night before Mother's Day, my dog got injured really badly and he had to go to uh, the emergency room, the emergency vet, and he had to get 20 stitches. So I was super bummed on Mother's Day and I came to work and I was here, but I was just kind of like sad in my spirit. And my friend Bianca, who is a part of my community here, brought me flowers and brought me a snack because she wanted to make sure that I felt loved and cared for. We've had meals brought to us. We've had groceries brought to us during sickness and times of surgery. And in fact, when my husband had to be admitted uh, in an emergency to the hospital back in September, I didn't even have to worry about my kids because Pastor Talia grabbed them from church where they already were, took them home, fed them dinner. They spent the night. She took them to school the next morning and even gave them money for lunch. And my friend Kim, who is a part of my community here, literally texts me multiple times during the week to ask me specifically how she can be praying for me. And she is a huge support to me. None of these things would have happened had it not been for my community here at the church. And this is what it looks like to be a people called out by God to God. In fact, this connection, this commonality, it's what they had in the Acts 2.42 church. So we're gonna break down that scripture a little bit more so we can see it. Acts 2.42 says, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. 
Now the word fellowship is another Greek word and it is koinonia. It means the unity of the spirit that comes from sacred beliefs or convictions. You see, when those of us who believe in Jesus, who have decided to follow him with our whole heart and lives, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit connects you and I to each other. And that is called fellowship. Fellowship looks like worshiping together. Fellowship looks like working together with a common goal in mind. Fellowship looks like God's will being done in our lives, in each other's lives, and in the church. It is partnership with each other. Now, these believers did other things too. They also shared in meals together. They prayed together. And if we can go to the next slide, I'll show you a couple other things they did. And then specifically, they sold their property and their possessions, and they shared with everyone who was in need. And then we saw that there was a sense of awe among them. The reason why there was a sense of awe among them is because God was moving among them. You see, miracles were happening. The apostles were doing miracles. Life change was occurring. And it was all because of their focus, all because they cared for each other. You see, they met together to care for each other, but also to grow and to encourage one another. Paul says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by your faith. I can't tell you the number of times I've come here and have been encouraged by you and your faith. When you come to me and share with me how God has answered your prayers, when you come to me and share with me the struggles you've been going through, but how God met you or how your life has changed since you have given your life to the Lord, it's incredibly encouraging to me. You know, just recently, Um, I actually was struggling a little bit with really feeling like God was hearing me um, and really feeling like he was answering my prayers. And yes, pastors can feel like that too. Um, But I was sharing that with my prayer partner, Kim, part of my community. And she was able to show me very specifically what I had been missing. In that conversation, she encouraged me because she showed me and pointed out just how God was meeting me and moving in my life and I had missed it because I was so focused on my problem. And another time, I was talking to a staff member here and she was sharing with me about how God was moving in her life and it spurred a memory in mine to remember a time very specifically when God met my need and answered my prayer and it was an encouragement. But this church also met together to do this. In Hebrews, we see this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is near. And this is the answer to the question that we have of how do we become the church? You see, as we have seen, the church was designed to be different than the world around us. We read in Romans that the church was meant to be an encouragement. Then we saw in the book of Acts that the church is meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. We saw that through the way they treated each other and the way they cared for each other. Then we just read in Hebrews that the church was to motivate each other to good works and to love 
And then again in Acts 2.42, we saw that the church was a family. But here's the kicker. We all have a part to play. I've already given examples of how the church has been an encouragement, but what does it look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world? Well, looking back at Acts 2.42 through 47, we saw that they did things like sold their property, that they met each other's need. They all helped doing what they needed to do. The church is meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, and it is meant to provide help and care for other believers. But like, what does this tangibly look like? What does becoming the church look like? Well, at Crossroads, we do this in a lot of ways. Some of the bigger ways are, I could think of um, the food pantry. The food pantry meets once a week. Hundreds of families come to the food pantry where we give them basic necessities like bread and eggs and milk and toiletries and things like that. And then also you participate when we do things like boldly bless, where you give an extra dollar more and then we take that money and we use it to be a tangible need helper for someone in our community. But then also I started thinking about the fact that we have teams in Israel and we have a team going to Kenya, leaving on Friday, and it made me think of how they are the hands and feet of Jesus in Kenya and in Israel just around the world. Now, I was thinking about my friend Ernie. Ernie is going to Kenya on Friday. This is Ernie here. He's been there before. He's kind of one of those guys that is at church every time there's church. He serves any chance that he gets. He helps out in kids ministry and go ministry. And he was sharing with me about a time when he went to Kenya and they were going to do a VBS for like 2,000 kids. And one of the girls on the team, her name is Taylor, she came up to him and she was kind of, she was sad. She had tears in her eyes and she said, Ernie, I just don't know why God has me here. I feel like he hasn't used me yet. I feel like he's not using me. I don't know what my purpose is here. And Ernie encouraged her and he told her, you know what, just pray. Pray and ask God, like, how can you use me today? Like, use me today. So they go to the Mara and they're doing um, the VBS and they see this young fella, his name is Laposo. Now, Laposo has a special need. And in a part of his special need, he has multiple special needs, but one of them is that he's nonverbal. So they started noticing that even though he was a part of the school and the VBS, that the other kids were not including Laposo. Because as it turns out, they didn't understand his special need and they actually thought it was something they could catch. So they thought that by playing with him or touching him, that they would also become nonverbal. And so they weren't including him. So Taylor happened to work here with our special needs ministry at Crossroads, notices this, gathers the puppet team together that already pre-planned all the things they were gonna do and the script they were gonna do to do the puppets. And she said, we have to help this kid. So on the spot, they changed their script to include Laposo, to make him the star of the show and to show all the kids that God thinks everybody is special and that God has a plan for everybody. Everyone. That moment changed Laposo's life. And they started noticing that other kids were starting to include Laposo after that time. But I know that some of you have also been on the receiving end of someone being the hands and feet. Maybe you've received a meal, maybe you have been prayed for. But I wanted to invite my friend Tawny up. 
Tanya is here today. She's actually gonna share about a time when she was on the receiving end of the church being the hands and feet. Hello, Tani. Uh, Tani has been serving in kids ministry uh, for about six years or so, but I've known Tani for about seven. Um, I count her as a very close friend of mine, but largely it's because we've started our connection through serving together here at Kids yeah, Ministry, absolutely. right? And what do I jokingly call you? I don't know, what do you jokingly call me? Oh, my daughter, oh, Taya. <laughs> yes, her, her daughter's uh, best adult friend. Yes, so do- my yeah, daughter, Taya, the one that plays, yeah, they're BFFs, mm-hmm. they're together mm-hmm. like all the time. But see, even that is part of the church because we need each other, right? So Tawny pours into my kids and that's a huge blessing to me as a mom. But Tawny, you recently went through a struggle. It did, um, yeah. I would love for you to share. Yeah, so it's been about six months um, since my dad went to be with Jesus. And uh, he died at 70, so wasn't like super young, but also like wasn't really expecting it. Mm. And um, he passed uh, early Sunday morning. And I just kind of felt this nagging that I needed to go to church. But I was like, of all the days not to serve, the day your dad dies, like that's the day you just don't go, right? That's the day you don't go serve. Like that's, that's ridiculous. But as the time went on, I just was like, oh, I should go, I should go, I should go. And I thought, oh, maybe it's, you know, just because, like, I made a commitment or maybe it was because I was used to going on, you know, Sundays. But, you know, maybe it was, looking back, it was definitely the Holy Spirit. And um, trying to make all these excuses, finally commit to going. And I, and I show up in the parking lot, like, 11.15. And I'm never late to church. <laughs> so this is, like, 11.15? Like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand out. I'm going to look stupid. Like, why, why am I even going? And I'm just like, oh, and I'm making my way up the cement. And I see one of our volunteers, Wendy, and she kind of, it's that kind of that moment um, when the prodigal son is walking up and the father comes and it just runs to me and just says one thing, can I give you a hug? Mm. And I had no idea how much I needed that. Mm-hmm. No idea. And I was like, okay, I could like breathe. It was like this exhale moment. I'm like, okay. We went inside uh, Fellowship Hall where, where I serve um, with the kids ministry and I, I saw Pastor Patty and I saw Pastor Lauren. Like, you're here. We weren't expecting you. And then one by one, each kid is like, I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited you're here. And then I kind of see out of the corner of my eye, Pastor Chuck is making a beeline for me. And I instantly think I'm in trouble because I don't know, it's like the principal or something. I'm like, oh, what do I do? And he walks over and he's like, I heard what happened and I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. And if there's anything I can do to help. And I was just like, how does he know? How yeah. all these people know? I didn't say mm-hmm. anything. I, I basically called you or texted you to cancel serving. Yeah. yeah. And now all these people are coming up. And I just was like one after one, each volunteer, one after one. And then even, even I had volunteers that I work with um, at 9 a.m. sometimes, um, Vince and Elizabeth, they came up and they're like, we heard you on campus. So after service, they hunted me down just to say something. And I came to the campus with such this burden, right? Like sorrow and grief and fear and, you know, all these negative emotions. And each person was able to trade Mm -hmm. just a little piece of my sorrow Mm -hmm. for kindness, Mm -hmm. for being seen, for being acknowledged that this is difficult. Mm -hmm. And they probably have no idea how much it impacted me because what they took was so light for them. But you get 10 people, 15, 30 40 people that do that, and all of a sudden, you can breathe. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that was possible if I hadn't have been serving. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we have the huddles, um, and each of the huddles, you know, my dad was given, like, 
three years to live in, in November, and then within 30 days, he was gone. And so we had, you know, four weeks or so that they were praying and they were walking me through that. And so I didn't have to explain my situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have words, and mm-hmm. they just, they were there, and they could help carry my load. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when you were sharing that story with me, you told me that it was a gift. It, it was. That that it was, was so special and so unexpected, and I did not show up to get something. I actually showed up because I felt, probably felt a little bit like I had to, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a commitment. But yeah, it was so special. I will, I will, never, I will never forget that. Thank yeah. you for sharing, Thank Tani. You. Um, before Tani goes, I actually would love to be a church with her right now, and I'd love to pray over her. Um, and I'm going to include Ernie in this prayer, too, because he's going to leave for Kenya on Friday. So let's take a moment to just pray for our sister and brother. Lord, um, I thank you for Tawny and for her dedication to serve you. But I thank you specifically for meeting her um, in that moment. And God, um, as she continues to walk through uh, the grief of losing her father, I pray for more moments like that, moments that feel like she's connected and seen just like she said. And we do continue to lift up Ernie to you and also the Kenya team that is heading out and also, Lord, the team that's in Israel right now. Would you watch over them, protect them, and allow them to be your hands and feet across the world? We praise you here tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Tani. Guys. That's church. And as we read in, Hebrew, in Hebrews 10, the, the day of Jesus' return is near. And the days that we live in right now are evil. That's what Ephesians says. I mean, you really only have to look at the news for five minutes to get that, right? Or even go on Facebook for that. Because you see, in these last days, the church is actually God's ultimate plan for redemption. The church that is filled with imperfect people is God's perfect plan for redemption. And believe me, I know I am one of those imperfect people. I have struggles. I have moments of fear or anxiety or stress or doubt. That is me. And I know that the church sometimes doesn't get it. Sometimes we can become polarized and we choose a side and we alienate a whole group of people. Sometimes the church as a whole, we have seen like church splits or um, maybe moral failures or financial failures from pastors that are super public, that are really, really disheartening and hurt a lot of people in the process. Sometimes we have seen even the abuse of the church, which actually is tragic and horrible. However, When church is done right, like the way it is done in Acts 2.42, it can be beautiful. And because Jesus is so cool, because this is his plan for redemption, the church has withstood and persevered for thousands of years. But like I said before, everyone has a role to play. You see, the book of Acts is filled with people who didn't leave the work of many to few. You see, they understood the assignment. They knew that they needed to use what they had in order to support and love and care for each other. Can you imagine, guys, what it would look like if we as the church looked like that? 
if we decided to not take a stand for what we are against, but take a stand for what we are for instead? The Acts 2.42 church did that. And by loving others and caring for those around them, God added to their numbers daily those that were being saved. And I imagine that if we did the same and the church here at Crossroads and around the world, we would see that same kind of movement by the Holy Spirit and God. Because like Jesus said in the book of Matthew, the powers of hell will not stand against it. You see, in this time when we are so connected at our fingertips and yet we're so lonely and we have things like suicide rates really skyrocketing and anxiety and things. The church is meant to be that peace. It is meant to usher in grace and life and light. And it is meant to be the clear picture of God. And believe it or not, it literally pushes back the gates of hell from people's lives. Because as we gather together and we worship and we lift up the name of Jesus, the gates of hell are pushed back. When we extend a hand of prayer over our brother and sister, even online, the gates of hell are pushed back. When we feed our community and meet tangible needs in the name of Jesus, the gates of hell are pushed back. And as we lift up the name of Jesus, crucified, risen, and coming again, the gates of hell are pushed back. Why else do you think everything else goes against it? Why else do you think Satan has lied and told the world that church is inconsequential and that you don't need it? Look what we get to be a part of, you guys. We get to be a part of that. And the gates of hell cannot stand against it. But I will say though, if you're here tonight or you're watching online and you're kind of thinking to yourself, I've been coming for a while. I go to the crossroads. I, I watch online at crossroads, but I don't get any of that stuff. None of that is happening for me. Then I'm gonna throw out a challenge to you. How are you being the hands and feet of Jesus? How are you stepping out? How are you getting involved? There's even ways online that you can get involved. What are you doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Are you striving for connection or are you just leaving in the middle of invitation? So tonight, I'm actually gonna pray for two different groups of people. I'm gonna pray for that first group of people, that first group that I just talked about. Those of you who feel like you are here, but you're not really here, but you want to be here. You want to experience what Tani experienced. You want to experience what Ernie experienced. You want more. I'm gonna give you a chance to come forward and join us in the living room too, to tell us that you are ready for more. And then I'm also gonna pray for those of you who might be here tonight or watching with us online and you feel totally lost because you're like, I want that, but I don't even know how to get that. It starts with a relationship with Jesus first. You have to know Jesus. You have to believe that he came on this earth for you to die for you and then rose again from the grave for you. You have to believe that and accept that first and then he will usher you into the body, which is the church. 
So will you join me in prayer right now as we lift up these two groups of people? Jesus, thank you for your church. Thank you that it is strong and though it is filled with imperfect people, that it is your perfect plan. Lord, I wanna lift up that first group of people right now that feel like they're missing. They're missing out. They're here, but they're not really here. They're not connected and they want what was talked about tonight. I pray that you would move in their spirit, oh Lord, and that you would give them the courage, the desire to come forward and to tell us that they want more. And now, Lord, I also lift up to you those that feel completely lost. They don't know where they stand with you at all. They don't even know if you care for them. God, I pray that their heart would be opened to know you tonight. And now I'm gonna give those people an opportunity to pray right now in your heart if you would like to make a decision to follow the Lord to be grafted into his family through Jesus Christ, I want you to pray with me right now. You can pray this in your heart or even out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for choosing me. I have so many things I've done, so many things that make me feel far from you but I need you in my life and I want more. So I say yes to you tonight and I ask for you to come into my life and lead me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.